Welcome, I'm Steve Fallon. This time, what it's like being freelance for front-end web developer Barry McGee. You'll never be experienced enough. You know, just jump into it and start doing it and you learn by doing. The challenge is, is to get your CV in front of the people in companies who take freelancers and contractors on. So I wrote a little tweet and said, uh, I'm a front-end developer and I'm now available. Link my CV to it. That got me 30,000 impressions. 500 people that landed on my CV that would not have landed on my CV if it was not for it. From my point of view, it was a successful experiment and something I would do again. Hey, thanks for downloading another episode. If you're finding these useful, please do leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or both. Also, if you know fellow freelancers who would find this useful, spread the word. We're Being Freelance on Twitter and beingfreelance.com is the site where you'll find other guests and show notes for this week's, actually, as we chat with front-end web developer Barry McGee. So, Barry, let's get started with how you got started being freelance. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um... So I've been building websites for about 10 years now in total. I started off in full-time work when I left university. Um, I went straight into work for the BBC. So I was there for five years or thereabouts. Then did a year in the digital agency world. Um, But during that time when I was in the BBC and also in the digital agency world, I was always taking on small little freelance jobs where people I know or friends of people I know would say, you know, starting up this thing and I need a website. So I was always taking on the smaller types of freelance projects. And the idea was that at some stage um, I would moved to be a full-time freelancer. So um, that that opportunity then came in 2013 when the, the, the full-time job uh, that I was doing um, ran into some financial dips and I was made redundant, which was a little bit unexpected at the time. But um, yeah, it was actually a really good, it was a really good uh, kick up the arse, if you will. Um <laughs> to then say, right, well, now I've got the opportunity that I've been kind of w- w- waiting for to jump into the contracting world. So that's what I did. So it was always like your your dream. And you, man, you must have picked up a heck of a lot of experience in the BBC and doing agency work as, as well. But, uh, you know, sometimes we do need that reason to jump. Yeah, um, it was just one of those things where, I was thinking if I'm going to be a contractor or a, f- a full-time freelancer, particularly in the web development world, um, it was me. It was probably just me, but I had the perception that if you're going to be a contractor, then you need to be really, really, really fantastic at what you do. And I'd always thought, I'm not quite there yet. I've not yet got enough experience, not quite got enough experience. So I'll, you know, I'll stay for another couple of years in a full-time role, you know, pick up experience in this field, which I've not yet um, been doing very much in or with this technology or with this tool. And I always was kind of thinking, well, and then when I get experienced in those tools, then I can move to be a full-time freelancer. But it turns out, and what I now know is that, especially in the technology world web development world you're never going to know the amount of stuff that you could um, <laughs> yeah. because the more you know the more you 
don't know if that make, makes makes sense. The goalposts are always kind of moving. Yeah. When it came to it, uh, the opportunity kind of came to m- m- to me, and that's when I jumped into it. And did those small jobs that you spoke about taking on on the side, did they help you when you went freelance? Did some of those people, did they end up being clients or was it the fact that you could use it as portfolio work or just the experience? I think it was more so the experience of working with people on a one-to-one type basis and kind of understanding what their business requirements were and where I could add value to to them. And um and even apart from that, the whole kind of uh, the the idea of doing your taxes, the idea of sending your own invoices, uh, and you have to manage manage the expectations of maybe one or two different clients at one time. Those were all skills which I had picked up. Uh, so it meant when I moved to being a full time freelancer, uh, those were skills that were already there. Yeah, especially if you're doing, I imagine if you're working at somewhere like the BBC, you must be part of a pretty big team. And suddenly you're on your own, you know? Yeah, um, when you're in the BBC, um, there's actually, there's a lot of people in it. Uh, It used used to be when you told people, yeah, working in the BBC is about, oh, my friend works there, do you know (laughs) Joe Bloggs? And be like, well, there's, you know, I think there's 20,000 employees um, and it's a big place. Um, you must be used to that being from Ireland, though. Don't people do the same thing when you're from Ireland? That is true. Yeah, um, they mention a bit. Um, you know, you're from Ireland, all my friends, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it's about. Oh, that's my cousin. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the BBC, uh, which is a fantastic place to work, um, I I must I must say to give me a great springboard when I first came out of university. The uh, the chance to work with some really experienced and talented people has really uh, stood has really stood to me as time has went on. Um, and the thing is that, um, yeah, there's always somebody to call on, uh, be it uh, somebody who was just down the corridor or you had the internal tools where you could say, I'm stuck with this particular thing. But particularly in the web development world, there's a lot of really good and talented people who will man the the discussion forums on the internet. You know, there's websites like Stack Overflow and websites like that where if you are stuck with a particular tool or technology, you can almost guarantee you're not the first person to be stuck. So even though you're on your own, you've still got this huge community behind you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You said those first small jobs were kind of tended to be people you knew or were recommended to you. When you finally went freelance... How did you start finding clients? How do you find them now? Well, I think uh, possibly front-end web development and the tech contracting world in general may be slightly, maybe a bit of a difference between uh, perhaps some of your your listeners to this podcast that might be, say, freelance photographers or um, generally jobs that are quite small and don't take a very long period of time. So... Um, the challenge that those guys have got is when they get a job, it might only be three or four days to maybe 10 days. Whereas in in my line of work, generally three months or six months um, is the type of roles that I, I will be going 
be going for. So the kind of the good thing about that is once you have a role like like that, you you kind of know that's where you'll be for a significant period of time. Um, and then there's a possibility that that would get extended as well. So when I first started off, um, uh, when I got the news that I was being made redundant, the first place I kind of went was the job boards, so websites like CW Jobs. But it turned out actually that through LinkedIn, uh, a colleague that I had previously worked worked with um, had had found out that the company I was with um, had had made a few redundancies and he was looking for a front-end developer at that time. So he reached out and got in touch, which is really quite cool. Now, here's an interesting thing, because you mentioned LinkedIn there. Yes. Uh, I first discovered you, as it were, because of Twitter. Right. You suddenly appeared in my timeline as a promoted tweet. How how did you go about that? How did that pan out for you? Yeah, so that's a, that was an interesting little experiment that I did. Um, I find myself just before... Christmas past the, the contract I was in was coming to an end and um, the thing is with the longer term contracts that coming up to the Christmas period it's kind of a strange time because teams are either uh, going to the Christmas party or they're coming they're just back from the Christmas party and once you get past like the 5th of December then things just wind down and I was like, so how can I get my portfolio out there and in front of people so that when the Christmas period is over, in the first week of January, I've got something to, to come back to. So I previously talked about, you know, you can upload jobs to the jobs boards and stuff. Um, but what I've increasingly found that more valuable contracts are if you can uh, speak directly to a company instead of going through a third party. So... The challenge is, is to get your CV in front of the people in companies who tick freelancers and contractors on without going through a recruitment company. So uh, I'd been putting my my availability on my LinkedIn profile and on my Twitter profile as well. And I just kind of thought, well, why? Like I see all these other co- companies who are pushing them themselves onto my timeline. Um, why don't I just experiment with that so I wrote a little tweet and said uh, I'm a front-end developer and I'm now available from such and such a date link my CV to it and then just went on the Twitter website and they make it really quite easy uh, you just stick in your your credit card and they give you a whole pile of options and you can really it's a bit like Facebook ads as well you know when you get that that slightly odd thing that you get an ad from Facebook that's very targeted. Mm. Um, well, you can really target quite uh, to to quite a, a niche with the t- 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 Twitter ads. So uh, yeah, so that's what I did. You can specify a cap, so um, you basically don't go off for a cup of tea and come back and find out you've spent two thousand pound. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, what I did was I set a cap, uh, quite a, a small cap of one hundred dollars, and just to see what that would do. Um, and I was slightly reticent at the start too, as I was like, "Well, I'm going to push myself into people's timelines. Is that a good thing?" And I think it's a 
typically Irish and British thing that you know you don't want to push yourself in front of people. Um, but yeah, I said I'll do it for an experiment and see what way it goes. Um, and it was really quite quite good. Uh, I got a lot of interesting people get back to me. Some people were just slightly co- confused or like, why are you in my timeline? What's going on? <laughs> There's one guy who was pretty pissed off. He was like, stop doing this. It's very annoying. But yeah, there was a couple of really interesting people got back to me. A guy from Sainsbury's, a um, guy from the Financial Times. Wow. Like So yeah, pretty... Uh, you know, pretty big guys. It wasn't. It wasn't people getting back to me saying, "So I've got a one-page website I need built in," you know, the middle of nowhere. Um, it, it was quite a. From my point of view, it was a successful, uh, successful ex- experiment and something I would do again. So that's a hundred dollars. So what's that about? Sixty, seventy quid, something like that. Yeah. What? How long does that last? Is it per clicks or? So I'm just looking at the stats now. So for a two-week period of two hundred dollars, um, that got me thirty thousand impressions, which means that that appeared in timelines thirty thousand times. Wow! Now the uptake wasn't that good. It was only a two percent uptake. So just two percent of those people actually clicked on the link, which went through to my CV. But still pretty good. Still 500 people or thereabouts that landed on my CV that would not have landed on my CV if it was not for it. It's very good is what it is. Yeah. And how did you, what did you tick? Like, I'm intrigued as to the options. Oh, right, is yeah. it like um, London? Is it like... Yes. So you can segment if they're in the United Kingdom. I don't think you can actually go as specific as a city within the United Kingdom. But uh, you can segment between male and female. Um, obviously, that didn't make a difference to me. Um, you can specify different categories. So um, if people, uh, if they like uh, business and news, tech news, technology, uh, politics and current events, um, and then you can actually specify keywords that they may have put in their bio, so, for example, I um, targeted tech leads. So if people have said in their bio they are a tech lead, that generally means that they lead a technical team. Um, so that might be the type of people who would would not only know of a team that needs a contract front-end developer, but perhaps be the person who you'd be faced across the interview table. Man, that's so powerful. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm actually surprised not more people are doing it. Yeah, well, maybe now they've heard this. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> be, I think, though, it's it's one of those things that takes a while to catch on, doesn't it? It's, um, we, you know, we're used to seeing just big brands promoting to us, not individuals. Yeah. But you as an individual, as a freelancer, you are a brand. You, you know, you're, you're after something. And if you can target that, that's, that's a really great thing. Yeah, it it definitely is. And, you know, when you look at the stats and, you know, if you look at in the offline world, like how difficult would it be to get your paper CV in front of of that amount of people? (laughs) Uh, You know, 500 people went through to my 
my CV. It's it's difficult to know how many of those people were like, what is front end development? What is this? I thought this was Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I feel bad now. You paid for me. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Um, you know, if somebody doesn't like the tweet. What 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 they should do instead of 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 getting back to you and saying stop doing this, they should just tap it, tap it continuously, and then um, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, don't give them ideas. True. That's so um that's so true though because if you've ever, I quite like reading the comments like under like Tesco uh, promoted tweets and stuff like that because yeah, people get really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They either get really narky or really funny in a nasty way. It's um, true. And, uh, yeah, but actually, if we were all just to click on the tweet and watch the video and all of that, that, that would probably cause them more grief. Yeah, definitely would. And it's a strange thing. Like, people who use the likes of Facebook and LinkedIn, Twitter, they get really pissed off that this free thing that they're using, like, is somehow trying to pay for itself. They're like, well, you, you do know if it's if it no longer pays for itself, then at some stage you will not be able to use it because it will not be there. Um, so it's qu- it's quite odd the way people get so pissed off. True. Although, do you know, when you say about, you know, targeted ads and stuff, I've noticed on Facebook a lot now, I get weight loss and slipper adverts. <laughs> what the? I, I don't know, because I rarely actually post anything. So I don't know. They're looking at my age or. Yeah, you're, that's, you're now, you've now fell into that target. Yeah. What's no, worse you, is I clicked on the slipper advert. Well, now that will follow you around the internet <laughs> until you eventually back buy a pair yeah Barry they did look like good slippers though gotta be so well you know I've got a good pair on (laughs) right now I don't mind telling you (laughs) I'm wondering whether because of the nature of your work that makes the whole finances thing a lot easier because you've not got several clients spinning plates at the same time um it's almost a bit like being employed except for you've got to keep marketing yourself is probably your biggest challenge isn't it rather than finances i would have thought yes um i think from that point of view uh i think that the industry that I'm in does make it a lot more comfortable for for freelancers in terms of getting a lengthy period of time. Mm. Um, so you've got quite a lengthy engagement, be it three months, six months or longer. Um, and during that time, it is really important to, to make sure you're keeping up to date with the tools and technologies that the rest of the the industry is using and what's what's kind of up and coming and what you should be aware of because the the danger is that if you're with one company and using one technology or one set of tools for a period of time when that contract then comes to an end and you're then so um i'm now i'm now back on and available for work uh, you take a look out there and uh, and all the job adverts are looking for something else or the new tool or the new trend so you do have to keep up to date with those types of things so is one of the challenges actually going into these places as you know like f- having to fit into a team that or, or, or is the team made up of loads of other freelancers no, not not, necess- not necessarily. Um, 
I think one of the challenges with contracting in the web development world is that contractors are generally brought on when a a project is not going very well and if this, and somebody's decided that to throw more web developers at the problem will solve the problem so you may be starting on a back foot to a certain extent um that's that can be one problem um the other problem is uh sometimes you go into a team and the the rest of the team who are not contractors know that you are there's a kind of preconception that uh contractors are paid this ridiculously good day rate so you're kind of expected to do twice the level of work that the full-time uh-huh. people are doing mm. um which is is not is not necessarily true um so that can be a challenge at times on the plus side all of these people that you're then working with and you're there for quite a long time become potential people to refer you in the future yes and that is a very good thing uh, and that is a, that's a great thing in the past where i've connected with with ex colleagues on linkedin and then they're friends with people in the web industry as well and they're like so we need a front end developer but can't find anyone they can then go oh i worked with this guy on such and such a project and what you what you alluded to there there as well because it is a long a long engagement you do have a certain a certain amount of time to kind of get in see what's go- going on and then uh, prove your your worth what's the the biggest buzz that you get from being freelance um the biggest buzz is probably when i send off the invoices and <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest uh i quite enjoy that because you know you've you've did work and you know you've got to a place in a project where you can you can now, now say okay it's time to pay me uh but but aside from that um because lots of people will say the financial side of things is the is the freedom that you get from freelancing um I, I I really like the f- the flexibility of it. And um, when you're a freelancer, you can ch- choose where you work, when you work, um, and yeah, and yeah, you've got you've got that flexi- flexibility. And a nice buzz I get too is when you're coming to an end of a project, you, you can be like, okay, well this is interesting. In thirty days' time, I've no idea where I will 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 be. Where will my next desk be? No idea. <laughs> Do you um actually with with that in mind, do do you get paid monthly or you know weekly? Who dictates that? Um, so it's entirely up to you to dictate when you get paid. Um, and generally in my contract, I would um would specify that I will invoice every two weeks, and the reason for that is that's generally a. Sp- Sprint's worth of work uh, and a, a sprint's part of the agile way of working. Perhaps some of your listeners will know that. Um, and yeah, so that that generally keeps the the cash flow good for good for my side of things. And also, um, uh, it makes a distinction between you and the employees yeah. from mm. from 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 an IR thirty five point of view. And do you do that per hour, or is it, are they simply saying no? Uh, I get paid by the day. So in the web development world, you specify what your day rate is, and that's generally right. 
it's you know basically a standard day nine to five or there there thereabouts. Now um, we always do this thing where we have three facts about yourself. Could be about your uh, your life or your career. Two of them are true. One of them is lie. I have to figure out the lie. Yes. Okay. So uh, my three facts are: I once made a cup of tea for Frank Cotton. Uh, my number two fact is I have size 13 feet. And the third fact about me is that I'm actually a triplet. One, a, one of a set of t- triplets. These are, oh, these are so concise. Um, Fern Cotton, how does she like her tea? With m- milk and two. Milk and two. When was that that you made her a cup of tea? That was roughly 2009. Uh, I was... When I was working in the BBC, I did a short stint with Radio 1 and was in uh, when her radio show was on and made her a cup of tea. Uh, and knowing Fern Cotton, she would have said it was lovely. She did, she did. She said it was absolutely <laughs> lovely. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. As, as somebody who goes in and has to be part of a team, being able to make a good cup of tea probably stands you in good stead. Oh, yeah, I, I do put that on my CV. <laughs> Um, size 13 feet well there's um, uh, I mean do you have problems with uh... getting nice footwear yes I do um, basically uh, when I, it's just pointless looking in a, sh- a shoe shop because you're guaranteed to see shoes that you would like to buy and it's just a wave of rejection when you go up <laughs> to the desk and say would you have these in and the customer services assistant just ready to bounce to the storeroom because she thinks you're going to say 10 and then you say 13 and she, she's like, oh, <laughs> no, certainly not. Triplet, one of, a, one of a triplet. Yeah, two boys and one girl. What are their names? Cahill and Siobhan. Do you have that, you, you know, like people say twins, do you have that sense about... Yeah, we've not really got that and um, there's a lot of people ask that but no we don't do you look alike did your mum used to dress you in sailor outfits um well kind of but then because obviously we're not all boys or girls we're non-identical <sighs> as, as mate you, you are very convincing on all of those three stories yeah that's what the judge said <laughs> Um, uh, okay I mean if I were to pick you up on something would I remember that Fern Cotton wanted two sugars from six years ago it was Fern Cotton she's a very good looking girl size 13 uh, feet you were very convincing about the pain that you felt I don't think you're a triplet very good Steve I am not yes Barry, you have no idea. I've been playing this game for ages and I've never got it right. I know, I've, I was, I've been tuning into your podcast. I'm thinking this will be a breeze. <laughs> now, if there was something you could say to your younger freelance self, yeah. what would it be? Uh, well, I would just say what I said at the start of this podcast, which is you'll never be experienced enough. You know, just jump into it and start, start doing it and you learn by doing 
nice it is good and it's succinct um barry thanks so much um no problem steve thank you very much for your time and i do hope that my as i'm sure you've picked up and your listeners have picked up uh, i've been blessed with a stammer um so hopefully my stuttery de- delivery here and there has not been too bad um these kind of speaking engagements are something which i always instinctively say no to because of many many years in school etc of avoiding public speaking but um i joined the worldwide network for people who stammer called the mcguire program and a central tenant of that is that you must push yourself outside your comfort zone so that's now what I do as as much as possible. Have Have you been asked to do any, you know, like um, speaking, you know, not not like conferences and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I I do generally get asked when I go into contract gigs. Um, you know, so you're coming in here to do this body of work. Can you explain to the rest of the company why you're doing that type thing? So so that's generally always good 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 practice. Yeah, that's true. In those kind of they, they normally have like stand-up type meetings every day where you've got yeah, the choice yeah. better. Yeah, and now even like my current my current contract, they're actually based in Norway. So I'm actually projected onto a big screen in Oslo. No way! <laughs> yeah. Each, every day? It, yeah, each day at 10, yeah. That's so, so um, cool. Yeah. It's like you didn't turn up to an award ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Barry, thank you so much, really. Oh, where can people find you online? You can find me, uh, Barry McGee. Uh, so that's my full name. That's what I am across all this, the different things, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, or barrymcgee.co.uk, actually, and you'll find them all linked from there. Of course, we have the show notes as ever, beingfreelance.com, so you can find stuff there. And, uh, you know, if you follow Barry on Twitter then all you follow being freelance on twitter but at some point he might pop up in your um in your timeline <laughs> yes, when he's indeed. off the job yeah because it sounds like a great technique nice yeah. um uh, barry thanks so much and best of luck being freelance that's fantastic thank you steve